0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Week is winding down. For some of you, it might be winding up. (laughs) For me, it's winding down. Happy to have a weekend coming. It's been a very full week. Uh, It's been tough. A lot going on you know, at times I have a little more resilience. I have a a, skill set, but uh, I'm kind of hitting the wall a little bit, Uh, missing my life in the way that it used to be. But um, we're getting through, you know, Uh, Netflix is uh, finally starting to put out some stuff that I find interesting. Usually, a lot of what these streaming services release just not the exact population for them but uh things are changing uh let's talk about mental health for a minute you know one of the things we need to be talking more about is the mental health of young individuals they are struggling to live their lives (laughs) they're missing their friends and uh they're going to school long hours sitting in that one little chair staring at the screen it's hard for anyone but especially children so we got to give them a break because mental health matters more than knowing the capital of every state um, especially things that are Googleable, we don't really need to memorize. But um, yeah, let's be focusing on mental health. Mental health first. So that's your little daily reminder. Whenever something's being presented, ask yourself what's the mental health impact of that, and guide yourself based on that decision making as much as possible when you can. That's what I try to do. When something's presented in whatever capacity, personally, professionally, I look at how it's going to impact my mental health. You know, we have nothing if we don't have that. Uh, talking also though more about mental health, frontline workers listen, y'all, I know you're physically drained. That's usually very obvious when people are looking at us, but our mental health... And even us mental health frontline workers like myself, um, we're helping clients go through the same things we are actually going through. Usually, maybe we're in a different position from what our clients are going through, but right now we're also struggling with all the impacts of COVID and the political environment. So just, I empathize with you. I I wanna let you know you're seen. We also need to be over-prioritizing our mental health. Please don't delete, I'm sorry, please do not deplete and exhaust yourself or get burnt out. You might need to shrink down how many clients you're seeing or the hours you're working, maybe bolster up your own self-care, but I just want to remind you, you're trying to help people through the same thing you're struggling with, right? We're frontline workers, anyone in the mental health world in whatever capacity that is. And also for those that are doctors and nurses, please do also consider your mental health. I know the long hours you're working, we are grateful for that. Finally, I'm seeing everyone starting to get the vaccines. That's awesome. So let's let's show up and get that needle and um, God, get our freaking lives back. I'm so ready. Um, This was a little bit of a happy surprise. Uh, Iran is moving to outlaw violence and harassment of women. What a beautiful way to move away from, you know, somewhat of a traditionally misogynist or sexist culture. So they have their own emerging Me Too movement. And uh, finally, the public is really pushing forward on the horror over honor killings. And that's kind of what helped push through this government bill. Uh, But it still has to be adopted by the country's conservative parliament. But um, look, this deliberation, they claim, has been going on for over a decade. And Iran's government approved a bill on Sunday, this past Sunday, that criminalizes violence and sexual misconduct against women and specifies punishment for perpetrators. The decision to move ahead with the bill, which, if approved, will be the first law of its kind in Iran's penal system. Bam. That is good news. I hope the rest of the world is watching. We all need to be having things like that passed, especially in some of those more draconian feminist, uh, anti-feminist, misogynist cultures. Now we have to just work on the gay rights. Um, Gay individuals still in a lot of countries are um, persecuted for being gay. It's illegal to be gay. Some cultures deny that gay people even exist there. And um, so we got to get the gay rights going as well. Let's not forget about that. Our gay Uh, family members loved ones and individuals out there need our care and support as well Uh, check this one out this is another interesting headline the U.S. government (laughs) will spend $500,000 to deep clean the White House after dirty Trump vacates good can you get his uh, bigotry racism and homophobia (laughs) cleaned out of there as well I hope they open all the windows air that whole bad boy out the stench The stench of uh, oppression and fascism is, is deep, deep into the fabrics and walls of the White House and its furniture. God bless. I saw pictures of some of the moving companies moving their stuff out. It's like, my God eager eager and excited (laughs) glad all of that is behind us in some ways curious to see what you know him and his family will do next i mean the stigma of being from that family is great the pga we talked about have dropped them uh new york city as a state doesn't want to work with them uh no one wants to have anything to do with them one of donald's biggest real estate partners will be dropping him asap uh you saw we've talked about every single platform that wants nothing to do with him it's kind of what you do it's called accountability it's not cancel culture it's literally called consequences and accountability you know uh, we don't want to give you know finance support or a microphone in any way <laughs> to anyone who's a fascist like that so it's part of kind of cleaning up the world uh and finally let's just end land on this whole circle search of uh social circle shift sorry about it y'all caffeine getting tongue-tied um they're changing Not a bad thing. And that's something I'm seeing more in my office. People coming in talking about you know, a little bit of sadness at people they've drifted from, but also some excitement at the people they've gotten closer to or the new relationships that have developed. Because in this difficult time, it's really shifting what we're looking for from those in our lives and what we need. And, uh, you know, we're checking in more with those that are fun. We're checking in more with those that are maybe more vulnerable and and emotionally available. And so it's kind of shifting. And we're going to come out of this maybe with the loss and gain of some new friendships. Don't panic. It's part of the process in general, but uh, COVID's really moved that around for us. So be open to that. All right, y'all, um, coming up, we're going to be talking about habits and high achievers. Question of the Night is up on our Loveline IG page. Weigh in on that. Listening to Loveline. Coming up next, Dr. James Simmons to talk about COVID vaccination updates. All right, now let's go to our first guest, Dr. James Simmons. How are you? Welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you very much. I am doing all right, Chris. How are you?
0: All right. To be honest, you know, doing as best as I can, being honest with what my struggles are, uh, You know, it's been a rough week. It's the intersection of a lot of different things, but uh, focusing on my self-care, it's kind of all we can do right now, right?
2: Absolutely. I agree. You know, working, I just came off of eight days in a row at the hospital. uh, And so I've been trying to be really forward and frank and honest about my mental health with folks as well. Like, I'm okay today. Some days I'm not. You know, you see a lot. You can only see so many people getting so sick for so long and unfortunately dying before, you know, it really takes a toll.
0: That's real. That's real. And, and for people that aren't encountering that as much, I, I can't even imagine. So thank you for everything you're doing to help us with this right now, truly. Of course, um, of course. So let's do some COVID updates. Uh, a lot of people have been made very anxious looking at all the stories about the UK strain. What is it we need to know and what kind of perspective should we have on that?
2: Yeah, you know, there's B1111, there's L452R. Just today, Cedar Sinai announced that there's a new strain in Southern California which could be related to the surge of cases that we had here in Los Angeles County. That one's called Cal 20 C. So you hear all these things, you hear all these numbers coming out and they can be really scary. I think the most important thing to remember about this is that we are doing some fantastic genome sequencing on the virus to find these variants so that we can trace them better. Ultimately, this helps us slow down the virus and continue to make sure that the vaccine is going to work with these variants, which it's very, very important to note right now that even though the mutations of this virus are happening on that spike protein where the vaccinations work, we have all the evidence points to the fact that the vaccine will still continue to work against all of these variants so far.
0: Okay. Thank you for saying that. I mean, that makes my anxiety levels drop because I think people read the headlines and they think, "Uh uh-oh, and it's like, yes, however, what you just said. Good. Good. Because I think part of the problem is when we talk about mental health is people getting misinformation or not understanding the information. So um, sticking with that, one of the things I'm hearing people talk about is can't wait to get the vaccine because then I can just do whatever I want. I can throw my mask away, hit those dance parties. Talk to us about what we need to know post-vaccination about the possibility of infectiousness.
2: Oh man, I want to go dancing too. I want to travel so much. It's killing me. It's, it's tough, but we all have to continue to do our part. This is actually, this is, if you're a sports person, this is that analogy where that fourth quarter analogy. Okay. You already lost me. Did I lose you already? (laughs) Right. I'm trying to think of another. Use a food
0: metaphor. I like food metaphors.
2: Oh, okay. Very good. So this is one of those where like, Uh, I'm trying to think of a good food metaphor for you to complete the dish, right? Sometimes you can make it and it looks great, but presentation is everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to present this meal to someone, how you plate it, the garnishes that go with it can really just top it off. We're there. We are close with the light at the end of the tunnel. So for those of you getting vaccinated right away, hopefully everyone's going to get vaccinated soon, but I know it's taking a while. You still have to wear your masks. And here's why. Because... We know that the data is overwhelmingly positive that this protects you from getting very sick with coronavirus if you get vaccinated what we don't know yet is how contagious would you be if you're fully vaccinated and you get coronavirus but then are you still contagious to others we don't fully know that yet so you can get totally vaccinated you might even get coronavirus you're likely not going to get very sick from it because you've been vaccinated, but you still might be able to pass it on to others. So no key king, no big dance parties, as much as we want to, not yet until everybody gets vaccinated.
0: OK, thank you for clarifying that, because I think that's what made me nervous when I was looking at the research is people thinking I get my second shot and I'm good to go. And it's like, well, hold on. No, you still have to follow some of those precautions. So are you so does that basically mean, though, then we have to reach a certain level of vaccination for us to be able to return? Like, what is the goal line that we're trying to get to?
2: Sure. So everyone's been talking about this this uh, term herd immunity for a really long time, right? Well, that herd immunity place happens somewhere, depends on who you ask, between about 65 and 75% of all individuals, I'm talking like across the globe, have either been vaccinated against COVID-19 or have been exposed to it. So then their body knows how to react to it. So it's a combination of individuals who have gotten COVID-19 and recovered from it, so their body knows how to react to it, and other individuals who have been vaccinated. When we get to, let's say, to be safe, somewhere around 75% of the entire globe reaches that, we hit this herd immunity place where the virus just can't live anymore. I mean, viruses don't live, but it just doesn't have vectors anymore. It starts to die off. We're still a very long way away from that right now.
0: Womp womp, but good to know, (laughs)
2: truly. Womp womp, yeah.
0: (laughs) And then, unfortunately, there's now something else emerging called post-COVID syndrome. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, so you're seeing cases of this all over the world right now. In fact, there are hospital systems in New York that have opened post-COVID syndrome or the Center for Post-COVID Care. It's because people might get sick from COVID. They get over that acute phase, those couple of weeks where you just really feel awful. But then there are signs and symptoms that linger on for a really long time. People talk about this really, really intense fatigue. Uh, that it's difficult for them to even get out of bed to go back to working out like they used to. There's a brain fog associated with this that is uh, reported almost across the board. There are other, you know, muscle pains, nerve pains that happen. All these different things that are directly related to COVID and its horrible effects on the body that linger in people now for months and months after they got over sort of that acute phase. So even if you're young and healthy and you're like, I'll be fine. I don't, you know, I can get COVID. I'm strong. I'm fine. First of all, we're finding lots of younger people are getting sick and dying from this, unfortunately. And second of all, even if you do get over it, there's the potential that you might have long term symptoms.
0: All right. So we got to still keep protecting ourselves and protecting those around us, right? Because it's not just looking out for ourselves. We're also trying to build in that keyword empathy and worry about how we're impacting others. Dr. James Simmons, thank you so much for being a part of our show.
2: You are welcome someday, Chris. I'm going to come on here and we're going to have a really happy conversation. I, I
0: can't promise. wait. I really can't wait. <laughs> you know, every time you come on, we're, dro- we're dropping that dark and, truth. Uh, it's important. But... Uh,
2: I'm the harbinger of like whatever, of doom every time I come on. That's all right. This is good information for people to know. And like I said, stay stay firm. We are almost there. Stay, stay. We can do this, y'all.
0: Have a great night. All right. Time to slide into those DMs.
1: Sliding into the DMs
0: tonight's question and again the dams always come from our loveline id page drop them on in there give us a follow back uh the tonight's question says hey dr chris i'm kind of curious as to what you thought about social media dating sites and the best way to present yourself on them like what kind of bio what kind of photos i just got out of a 10-year relationship and i'm new to this Ooh, the world has changed you said your name was Richie there. Your name is, the world has changed, Richie. So uh, get excited and curious. I want to start that way. Whenever someone's reentering the dating world and wants to use the apps, I always say stay curious because if you enter it with this like goal, it can burn you out and they can burn you out anyway because you're going to have to get familiar with putting a lot of time, energy in. You have to get familiar with a lot of disappointment and really crappy behavior and uh, you have to check in on burnout. I mean, that's the first point, like uh, burnout. Dating app burnout is real. You got to check in with yourself. How do you feel before you're getting on? How do you feel while on? And how do you feel after you were on? And it should be good or neutral. But if you're in a bad mood, don't go on. Because you, there's so many triggers on there. You only go on when you're in a good mood, when you're curious and you're excited and you want to just connect and see what's going on. But don't go on there press like, I need to find a boyfriend or girlfriend today. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to go on because you're curious to see who you can encounter, what kind of conversation you can have. But if you feel bad before, don't go on. And if while you're on, you start to feel bad because of disappointment or people's bad behavior, log off. That's your mental health. And we're not on there to make our mental health tank. And we're not on there to feel worse. And if after being on, you feel bad, maybe it's time to take some time off. It's okay. So that's called dating at burnout where we need to check in with ourselves. Um, so do that. Having said that, I'm a big fan because especially right now, people want love and attention and also because we can access people that we wouldn't normally bump into in our general lives. So I love it. And even when you're not actively on there, you're still on there and people can match with you and send you messages. But you gotta put the time in. So you do have to be willing, if you're serious, to check it every single day, because it's a numbers game and people are talking to multiple people. And a sign of interest is really being consistent and reliable. Hear that again, consistent and reliable. You're not leaving messages hanging. You're not responding to a comment a a week later, days later that person's moved on and so take it seriously people i'm working with that are really committed i have them checking it a couple times a day i know but that's part of really wanting this but uh, it's not a good sign to most people on there if you're not really reliable or consistent and then if you meet someone that you're interested in try to get their number and take it offline as soon as possible interested people like signs of interest and if they like you they'll be complimented that you want their number and to take it offline and then I also say get on FaceTime before you go on a date. It's a powerful pre-date. It is a date, and it's a good way to know whether or not the chemistry's there in a way that you can't tell by just texting or picture exchange. Get on FaceTime, or at least the phone, before you go on a date, and do that to make sure you want a date. You'll know right away, FaceTime, you're on the phone, whether or not you wanna go have coffee or go for a walk with them. If it's hard to get through that FaceTime or that phone call, then it's a sign, probably not a match. So that's always what I say. So I love the apps now as far as photos and bio photos should really honestly reflect who you are and what parts of yourself you want to market if you're a party person sure put tons of photos of you at parties with booze. but if you're not don't do that because people will see that and be like ah i don't feel comfortable consciously or unconsciously if they see signs of a lifestyle that they don't have an interest in or don't feel part of or want to be part of so make sure you look at your photos and each photo say to yourself What am I marketing about myself or my life in this photo? And is that true and accurate? And if so, cool, but if not, don't. Because that's some of the work I'll do with my clients. I'll look at their photos and I'll say, wow, you really present yourself as athletic, but you you aren't and don't want to do that. (laughs) Like remove those activity-based photos. And same thing with your bio. Be honest with who you are so that people can look for key terms that they can connect to but also be a little more open because we never know what these key terms look like in reality for you. And people make a lot of assumptions. So it's like on one hand, you do wanna talk openly and honestly about yourself, but then you don't wanna be too specific because that can turn people off. So be a person while on there. Don't be completely vague, right? But leave room for conversation. And uh, put in there the parts of yourself about what you're interested in so people can find commonality because that's usually how they start conversations. So good luck and let me know how it goes. All right, y'all. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And later in the show, we'll be talking about high achievers, what we can learn uh, from them about what to do and also uh, what not to do. And then, of course, as always, we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. If you have a DM for us, drop it on our Loveline IG page. Whatever you're thinking, someone else is worrying about it, curious about it, helps us all. Uh, always confidential and anonymous. And if you want to check out past episodes, wearechannelq.com is the place to go. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com.
2: We'll be right back with Heather McPherson to talk more about drugs and alcohol and coping mechanisms. All right, now we're gonna go to our next guest, Heather McPherson, licensed therapist and also CEO
0: and founder of the Sexual Health Alliance. How are you, Heather? Welcome to the show.
1: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: A hundred percent. So right now we're seeing a lot of people, they're talking a lot about their drug and alcohol use. Um, I talk on the show sometimes about the difference between self-care and coping mechanisms. The way I tend to break it down is self-care are things that have a beneficial impact on you where coping mechanisms are literally anything you might use to regulate yourself. Are you seeing in your practice a spike in the use of drugs and alcohol during the pandemic?
1: Yes, absolutely. Specifically with men. Um, I think with dry January, maybe some people are <laughs> cutting back, but, uh, I definitely have seen a, a, a spike. And then I've also seen, uh, people even drink with it in session which of course I have to say wait a second that's not that's not okay we shouldn't be we, we need to have some boundaries and some um, you know guidelines for how we run therapy sessions and and you know blatantly having a beer during session is absolutely not productive and helpful to our work together
0: yeah very interesting I guess people get very comfortable being at home all day yeah and also yeah. I, I I've seen online people talking about you know it's 5 p.m somewhere even though it's 10 a.m where they are and so at first I think I I think I was laughing and then I started to think more clinically and therapeutically and I thought this could actually lead to a lot of problems as people are spending their day drinking and what happens after the pandemic and we know with alcohol use it leads to signs of domestic violence and other issues. So, you know, we had to wind up going on to telemedicine, which I initially kind of wasn't a fan of. I've never enjoyed that. Now I found a lot of value in it. Are you seeing clients using online programs and 12 step meetings to help with their drugs and alcohol use?
1: I'm seeing a lot of clients embrace the online atmosphere and get really comfortable with it. As you said, uh, I feel like there's an opportunity to create a little bit more of an intimate environment um, where you can see inside their bedroom or see their nightstand or see you know, their desk or their office. And that can provide a lot of insight into how they're living their lives day to day. I'm also seeing a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a question of well, when we're in when we're in in-person therapy, you know, we can see more of what's going on in terms of like smelling the breath or you know their how they're walking and and sometimes it's easier to pick up on if they're actively using or drinking. Online you don't really have that insight and you can't really smell obviously. You can't really see, you know, how they're moving and how they're behaving as much and so that's a little bit of a barrier, but I think overall it's been really great.
0: And I think it's hard to separate out what might be a response to the pandemic versus what is an actual shift in their relationship. drugs and alcohol so i think it's like on one hand i'm trying to tell people like take it seriously because you don't want to come out of this time with some new issues and struggles but at the same time i'm holding it loosely a little bit knowing that people are in isolation they're hyper stressed they're trying to both work from home they have kids that are going to school from home it's a lot
1: yeah it's it's um as you said in the beginning i think coping skills come in play hugely here and Um, being able to self-regulate is a really important concept to understand and practice. Whenever you're home all day, every day, you can literally just go downstairs and grab a beer Um, and no one's going to see you. No one's going to notice. No one's, there's not that um, social accountability. Uh, And I think that that is what's probably, you know, contributing to the increase in drug and alcohol usage. Um, And I think that, you know, Having that access to online treatment programs and therapy uh, can be really helpful right now, specifically when people are maybe in rural communities where access to care, or access to high-quality care isn't available. So it's kind of a double-edged sword that I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said about people that are in rural areas. Right now, a lot of states have relaxed um whether or not a therapist can work with someone outside of their current state. So I I advise everyone, do some research, Google, find a therapist. You can find a therapist these days in another state because of the law shifting a little bit, 12 step meetings. Um, And also before we let you go, let's do a quick little plug. If anyone's looking to do a little uh, training, some education maybe around uh, sex, where maybe can they go?
1: Well, that would be sexualhealthalliance.com. We have full online <laughs> training programs and sex therapy, coaching, educator, and counselors. So medical providers and um, therapists and coaches all like, can get um, uh, fully trained online 100% for the next year through sexualhealthalliance.com.
0: Bam. Heather McPherson, thank you so much for being a part of our show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And You can catch more of Dr. James Simmons and Heather McPherson on our Instagram at loveline catch our loveline podcast on the radio.com app all righty we're back now listen (laughs) remember going through a rough time the intersection of so many different forces it's so fascinating i don't think i've ever been in a time that i can think of where so many different levels um kind of getting woven into our lives complexifying and remember i've said this multiple times and i want to lovingly remind everyone and this is a path to freedom and, and ease and mental health is, remember, we're dropping the bar down, right? We're doing 60% max, we're, we're, we're letting ourselves give, a, give ourselves a little bit of a break. Now, what I'm seeing coming into my office clinically, though, is that is often very difficult for high achievers. Now, before we even get into that, just the American value system is very much rooted in our success, being tied to how productive we are, consumerism, how many things do we have? We're always about overcoming, fixing, and, and it's okay for us to say, eh, we're not able to really overcome this. We're kind of just getting through, we're getting by. So we all need to make sure we're not getting tied to this idea that we should be optimal, optimizing at all times and optimizing everything. Nah, just be real. That's mental health, being authentic, being honest to where you're at, not always pushing, not always needing to be resilient or, or optimizing your time or your energy. Nope, sometimes we need to just chill out. And sometimes we need to reprioritize rest, self-care and pleasure. I saw a really powerful documentary and it was comparing a very different culture from ours and in that culture. And I don't really want to call out the culture cause it's, it's a little bit of a stereotype, but I'm going to talk about it more in an archetype, right? A symbolic, a symbolic representation of just other. And, um, This culture was so rooted in people working, my God, I think they were saying 12 hour days, sometimes only one or two days off a week, and that was valued and they saw Americans as lazy. And this is not a pro-American conversation, trust me. I am very embarrassed by the American culture and I think we have things backwards. Um, But what I did value is that here in America, we wanna see our families, we want to have downtime, we wanna have joy and pleasure, we wanna travel. We're not just on this planet to just work. Um, we're here for other things, and I love that. I don't want us to have more more longer hours. I want us to do the opposite. Four day work weeks, six to four day work hours. Children having more than only two days off a week, that is not balance. Working five, having two off, and in those two you're doing laundry, you're cleaning, grocery shopping, no way. And so high achievers really struggle with that. And we need to be zeroing in on kind of making the new year a shift in that, right? Um, because I want us to spend the new year not doing a new us as much as I want to spend the new year going back to who we really are and who we really are is different than who we've been. Um, We have to learn how to say no, and that's something that high achievers really struggle with uh, within our culture and within other cultures is always wanting to be available, always wanting to be seen as a team player, always saying yes. But mental health means sometimes saying, yeah, I'm going to let you down. Unfortunately, I have to disappoint you and say no. I have to take care of myself. It's okay to do that. That's a sign of mental health. When I see someone letting me down, disappointing me in service of self-care, I go, wow, thank you for taking care of yourself. You don't really hear that. Usually people say, ah, you're not a team player. You're not really my friend. You really care about me. Let's instead translate that to thank you for taking care of yourself. That's really inspiring. I'm glad you did that. Unfortunately, I now have to go find someone else to help me, but I value that you were willing to, if you could, we have to be, we have to think more in those terms. So be willing to hear no, be willing to say no. That's about having good boundaries, right? That's self-care people that are without boundaries and never say no, that is not a positive attribute. You get run ragged, you get burned out, you're depleted, you're tired, but that's also not very reliable, right? Also asking for help, letting others know that you can't do everything. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you need to ask for more help because of something that's going on in your life. We can't expect the same thing from everyone. Everyone has different needs and everything's happening within a different context for everyone. So it can't be, ah, oh, well, they were able to do that. Great, I'm not them. They're not up against what I'm up against. You know, and I see that in my own life. <laughs> there's tons of people that are able to do lots of things. I have a very busy schedule. And so often I'm not as available as others. And they'll say, well, everyone has a busy schedule. Well, no, they don't actually. Some people's are lighter and a busy schedule means different things to different people. But we have to signs be willing to say that doesn't fit into what's going on in my life. We have to be able to do that. We also have to not compare ourselves to other successful people. And there's some mindsets and there's some people in the coaching world that do say that, well, this is how this person did that. I'm not that person though. <laughs> they didn't have two kids. They didn't have college loans to pay off. They didn't have three careers going at one time. They didn't have social anxiety. They didn't have depression, right? We cannot expect the same thing from ourselves just because someone else was able to do something. It doesn't work like that. Everyone should have different expectations because everyone has different needs, right? We're allowed, we're allowed to have our needs and the bar and expectations set based on who we are, right? Because our achievements should not be tied to our worth. Right? And that's what happens. If people go through a period of time where they need to say no more or set more boundaries, and so they're not accumulating as much or they're not as productive, then they feel not as great. I know I personally struggle sometimes when I take a day off to do nothing. It feels off to me to take a day off. And I realize, oh my God, I've internalized capitalism. I've internalized that my day should be filled with productivity-based things. And yet, rest is productive. It's healing, it's regenerative. It's also where creativity can spring And even if none of those things happen, it still has worth meaning and value. And so that's kind of the call to action for the new year is let's get outside of this mindset that we always have to be productive, you know, and not being so high achieving. And I'm not saying that we just let go of all of our dreams, hopes, and what we're working towards that can coexist, but that's the difficulty. Some people don't realize that, but it can. And that's the challenge, but we want to start to normalize these things. It's fascinating to watch how some people can't handle being told no or having boundaries set right? It's also a red flag in a relationship as you're early dating. Can this person handle being let down and disappointed? Same thing with your children, raise them in a way where they can handle that. It's an important part of parenting is letting your kids down and disappointing them and letting them know that doesn't mean I don't love you. And that doesn't mean that you can't rely upon me, but there will be times where I do need to do that. It's in those ruptures, right? With our children, our parents, our loved ones that uh, trust is actually built, you know, because you still see that we will be here next time. And I'm loving you and caring for you even while setting a boundary. It's a difficult lesson, but uh, it's part of mental health. Um, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And then we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. And if you want to check out past Loveline episodes, you can go over to wearechannelq.com. Uh, they're all over there. And why are they Might as well check out some of the other great shows that we got for you. <laughs> Do a little wandering. Um, all right, listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris. And that's on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, before we get to the question of the night, I wanted to just share this article. This is Huff Poe talking about women leaning in and loving their gray hair. Uh... Men as well. I don't know why this article is only about females, but uh, everyone I'm seeing on Facebook and Instagram, their hair's grown in. They're letting the natural colors come through. It's not cut. It's not colored. It's not styled. I love it. It's authentic. It's honest. It's liberated. People aren't feeling like they need to always be desirable or attractive. We're kind of just being where we're at. I love that. Let your gray hair show. How stunning. Aging shouldn't be something we're afraid of. We have to get, a, we have to get rid of this decline narrative around aging. as so though everything gets bad. Everything gets, Worse, everything falls apart. No, aging is a gift. Not everyone gets the opportunity to age. We should be proud of it. I don't want to live in a world where people are like, "Don't ask someone their age." Well, don't ask because we make a lot of assumptions about it. You know, based on this magical number of chronology, we make so many assumptions about who you are, what's possible, can we be compatible? I want us to actually find out who the person is. But in theory, I don't want age to matter. I don't want it to have such a negative connotation that we're always trying to present as younger. You know, using all these different potions and creams and lying about our age and being uncomfortable if someone asks us. It's a horrible thing, let's get rid of that. And that's why I love letting, seeing people letting their gray out and their hair grow in. It's so beautiful, it's so honest. Let's normalize truth, you know? Just moving away from people feeling like they have to present a certain way to be desirable or professional. I, I told you I'm gonna keep wearing sweatpants and tracksuits as much as possible. Let I want people moving forward to let their gray hair be there, comb their hair less, less products. All we're centering we're centering comfort and joy. Truly, that's our, that's our goals for 2021, being more comfortable and more joyous and not sweating the small stuff like dye my hair, worrying about what's going on with my hair. I mean, that's what's been so liberating for me. I, I'm so thankful. Oh, just getting back to basics in this time. But all right now, time for question of the night. Question of the night asks, are you already thinking about New Year's resolutions? 83% said yes. Bam y'all are really waiting. I mean, you're all already, I should say. 83% are already thinking about it. What are you guys thinking about? Uh, so here it is. Here's question night. Well, what is it then? First person said to hold people accountable next year. Bam. See, that's the work of a good ally or an activist. Just because so much has happened and Biden's been elected and you know, all sorts of changes have been made, The work isn't done. And I love that holding more people accountable, calling them in, which means lovingly having conversations with those around us, not necessarily putting everything on blast on social media. Again, question night is, are you thinking about New Year's resolutions? If so, what is it? Someone else said, I'm promising myself that when the pandemic is over, that I'm going to say yes more, take more chances, because we never know when it's going to be shut down again. I appreciate that. I know we play it safe, right? I'm tired. I don't know that I want to do that. I don't really feel like being challenged right now. And then the pandemic happens. Everything's taken away from us. And I appreciate that saying next year when we have access to the world, really leaning in more, right? Engaging it deeper, being more present, letting more joy in, saying yes, right? I love that. Question tonight is uh, New Year's resolutions. If you're thinking about them, what are they? Someone else said, My workout plan starts in 2021. Um, Yes, I'm also trying to move my body more because movement is healthy in all of its different forms, getting away from how much we weigh, what we look like, because that doesn't matter, and focusing truly on health, which is how do we feel in our bodies. Someone else said, uh, I want to start writing more in 2021. This year, I was kind of depressed. Yes, but let that depression motivate you. Let that depression be channeled into your work. But yes, write more. We learn so much about ourselves. It's such a great way to do something with all that energy that's inside, right? That, those anxieties, those, de- those things that make us sad, uh, things that made us angry, right? We can channel that into something. So I hope that shows up in your work. Someone else said, once the pandemic is over, family and friends all the time. I know, that's the other thing, right? We're, we've been so isolated for so long that we get to see who we miss and what we miss, and then we remind ourselves, well, in the new year, we can recenter and reprioritize some of those pieces, some of those people, some of those places, some of those things. I never thought I would miss my office so much. You know, I liked driving over there, I liked the neighborhood, walking around, getting coffee. Being home around the clock has been quite depleting and exhausting at times, you know, we want our lives back. But next year will be different, it won't be the same, we won't be going back to normal, which is good, because normal had a lot of problems, right? But we can start to decide, what do we want to take with us into next year? What parts of ourselves do we want to leave behind? What do we want to see new and different? You know, There's always the ability for some change. So look at different domains of your life. And where do you want to challenge yourself? Where do you want to grow and expand? What risks do you want to take? Some of them can still be done now. You know, the new year is a arbitrary def- defining point that we don't have to honor. We can start now. You know, we don't have to wait until next year, kind of start to build those things in now, but um, leave some things behind you. But I like the idea of being a better ally, you know, prioritizing mental health more, more joy and pleasure in our lives. I think we just took a lot of things for granted. So uh, question of the night as always is up on our Love Energy page in the stories. Tomorrow's is already up, so weigh in on that. And uh, coming up next, we are gonna be sliding into those DMs to close out the show. Two-minute promise. We'll be back in two minutes. Uh, you are listening to Loveline
2: with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. and Now it's time to slide
0: into those DMs.
1: Sliding into the DMs.
0: This question asks, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm really worried about my sister. She's 25. I'm 28. She still lives at home with her parents, and I moved to San Francisco. She's a homebody, always has been, but she's getting more and more distant. I talked to my mom and she said that my sister has become more and more combative and angry. She barely texts me back anymore. How can I talk to my sister about her new mood and what's going on? It's a difficult one, you know? So I'm going to have to give you a little bit of a vague answer, but there's some learning points in here. First off, I'm glad you care about your sister. I think it's a very loving act to want to help Guide or be a part of whatever change is needed in the lives of people we care about, right? I'm always cautious about people not being judgmental. And I heard that in the beginning. She still lives at home. Why should she not? Some people are happy at home. Some people want to be close to their family. So I won't shame, pathologize, or traumatize someone at home. I don't agree that it has to be a sign of maturity to move out. That's not in the cards for everyone. And more and more millennials and younger people are living with their family. And that's a sign of the systems. It's hard to get a job. Education is expensive and it's very hard to afford an apartment. Most cities, people cannot get an apartment off of minimum wage. And so living at home is an important part of some people's process. And so it's okay to live at home. We need to really normalize that you're to live however you want and so i'm not going to make meaning out of that that might be comfortable for your sister um she's 25 even if she was 45 that's where some people's lives take them and and that's okay be where you are so i am not going to weigh in on that part um she's a homebody awesome what i will weigh in on is the possible change in her behavior she's distancing she's combative she's angry she doesn't respond i want you to first though do a little self-reflecting because i want to make sure that you haven't done or said something that makes her feel judged do you shame her about being at home? Do you tell her you need to move out too? Because maybe she doesn't have the kind of job or money to live in San Francisco, which FYI is a very, very expensive city. She maybe isn't ready or interested. So just make sure you're not, you're not, you know, the kind of person she doesn't want to stay connected to. So check your behavior first. What might you be saying or doing, or how might you be showing up that's turning her off? Because maybe it's you, right? But let's assume it's not. It sounds like maybe she's depressed. Maybe she's struggling. You know, your mom kind of acknowledged it as well. And so the only way you can really appropriately engage that is to lovingly and calmly say, hey, listen, you know, I'm noticing that we don't talk as much. Again, key word, I miss you. If you ever want to talk about what's going on, I'm here. And that's the best. You don't want to force it. And, and, and you can't demand it. And she might have to go on her own journey. Maybe she's not ready to bring forward whatever's going on. I don't know what's going on for her. All you can do is let her know that you're non-judgmentally available. Period, period, she's an adult. But we need to know people are safe to go to, otherwise we won't go to them. And so that's the first thing I always say, if someone's not opening up to you, it might be because you're not safe to open up to. You might judge, you might attack. And as someone who's part of her family, when we love someone, we usually are trying to deal with our anxiety. We're anxious knowing that they might not be doing well. We want them to make us feel better. So I want to talk to you because I need you to make me feel better because I can't calm myself down. I'm uncomfortable knowing that maybe you're struggling. So you can't make it about you. And so the only thing you should or say, the only thing you should say or do is very calmly and lovingly, I miss talking to you. I miss being close with you. Can we talk more? And if there's ever anything going on you need to talk about, I want to let you know that I'm here to talk about mental health or whatever else is going on. Period. End of story, and then you've done all and you can do and all you should do. And then you have to lovingly honor that it is difficult to be on the outskirts of not knowing what's going on in the life of someone who's important to you, but not everyone's always immediately ready. I work with people where it takes some months or years to feel safer, willing to connect with someone because of how they've shown up in the past or because the person has to make peace with whatever it is they're struggling with, addiction, depression, sexual orientation, gender. Not everyone has gotten the confidence or security in things themselves to bring it forward. And so I'm glad she has you and the family that's willing to hold that space for her because that's what she needs, a safe space to go through her process. So there you have it but I empathize with the difficulty of being on the outside looking in and wanting to help, but we can't force support on someone, right? We can only let them know that we're here if they need it. That is our DM question. tonight is back up for next week. Um, Monday show. A lot of people, they're feeling very distanced from others, even from themselves. So we're going to talk about how we can reconnect with our own body and eroticism. It's important stuff, also fun stuff we can be doing right now, so that when the world opens back up, we're good to go. Uh, hope you guys spend this weekend rooted in self care. Tons of it every single day, lots of joy and pleasure, uh, and also find some fun. Uh, past episodes, Loveline, we are channelq.com. Head on over there, they're all over there. Otherwise, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.